Psalms 98. I want to look at verses 4 through 9. The psalmist says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equality. <clears throat> Let us pray, and before we pray, I'd like to mention one announcement, two announcements, and some prayer requests. We know Vacation Bible School is approaching. The dates are June the 13th through the 16th. Also, if you're willing to give or want to give, there are two offering boxes one in the front and one in the, in the back of the doors of the auditorium for collection. Also, we got needs in our church as far as prayer requests. Bonnie, Bonnie Gunn um, suffering with cancer. Um, Faye Huff in the nursing home. We know Artie and, and Lanny Ken, um, Kendall. We're praying for traveling mercies. Also, Pastor R with kidney stones and also Patricia Lambert praying that uh, the Lord help her with her blood pressure. That being said, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to touch every need. Touch us today in our church service. A beautiful a beautiful crowd, I must say. And again, I'm thankful that we come into the house of the Lord and give him praise and give him honor because he's worthy of it all. Let us pray and remember these requests as well. Father, again, we're thankful. Lord. Always for your love and mercy. Thankful, Lord, that we can call upon your name. Thankful, Lord, that we have a relationship that's made possible through the Son of Christ. Lord, we just pray, Lord, asking that you would touch and move upon this service. Father, we come together, Lord, to honor you, to give you glory, and give you praise for your worthy of it all. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you touch everything that's said and done in this service today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it would give you gratitude. Lord, that it will lift you up. You said if we will lift you up, Lord, you would draw all men. Father, I pray that your spirit would have liberty in the house of God today, Lord. That you might touch a fresh and a new, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would, Lord, take these songs, Lord, that are sung, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it be sung with a merry heart, with a heart toward God. And, Lord, that it would give you, give you pleasure, Lord. That it would create praise in your people, Lord. Father, all that said and done, we praise you and thank you. And ask that you would have your way, touch and move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Let's remain standing this morning. Let's worship the Lord. The song simply just says, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's one of the greatest things that we can give credit or give honor to the Lord is just remembering that he is a holy and a righteous God. So let's sing it together this morning. Worthy to receive glory. He is worthy to receive glory. 
praise and lift up the name of the Lord today. Amen and amen.
thankful that he reaches to me. Lord, we welcome you in this place today. Father, we know that, Lord, you are our strength, strength like no other. Lord, and today, Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, today we literally offer our song of worship and our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. Lord, we want to be like the prophet Isaiah said, Lord, you said, whom shall go for me? Whom shall I send? We say, here am I, Lord, send me. So today, Lord, we want to just stand in your presence and say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will, to your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, and trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, Lord, with my whole heart, Lord, I'll agree. Because our answer today will be yes, Lord, yes. So today, Lord, that is our prayer today, that we surrender to you today.
you give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you're willing to say yes to the Lord? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today just for a few moments. While you're seated, I'd have you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. The Gospel of Luke chapter 17. At this time, children, you may depart for Children's Church to my left, your right, right out this door right here. Miss Sandy is awaiting for you. She's been waiting. She's excited. Let me give the pastor a word of caution once again. Please sign your children out. If you don't sign them out, they stay at church for a week. You can pick them up next Sunday morning here at church. We do have a few juice boxes and chips, so they'll be, they won't go hungry. They'll survive, but they're not going home with the preacher. So you sign them out, or they just get to live in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. They're going to be like the prophet Samuel. They're going to live here. So pick up your children. I love children. I love them when they come, but I love them when they go. I'm just letting you know how that is. I got one. I love him to death. He's all I can handle. I can't take any more right now. I got enough gray hair. I don't need any more. Some of you, y'all don't even have gray hair anymore. Your hair just flat out turned loose and let go altogether. I mean, it just let go. I mean, some of y'all got that frozen mentality. Let it go. Let it go. Couldn't hold it back anymore. Your hair's just gone. It's just gone. You know, you couldn't hold it. So please sign your children out. Make sure they go home with you. Even if you don't want them, please take them home. And if you don't want them, find somebody in church who will help you out today. There's a lot of you that are grandparents. You take them with you and love on them. Spoil them. Give them lots of sugar. And then uh, and then make sure that uh, you send them home to their parents for bedtime. Luke chapter 17. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11 this morning. Once you have it in your Bibles, I'm going to have you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. Luke 17, verse 11. It'll be on my on the screen to my right and to my left, or you can look on it in the back. You can't see these two jumbotrons over here. A very familiar passage of scripture today. You're gonna probably know this and be like, "Wow, this is a really pastor went out on a limb. He really found a story nobody heard about." No, this is one of those you've heard about it so many times that. Uh, you probably think, oh, I could preach this sermon. I tried to get somebody else to preach this morning, but they told me no. But I did try to give you a different voice to hear today, um, but it didn't work out. But here's what the word of the Lord says. It said, and it came to pass, as he, talking about Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He entered a certain village, and there he met ten men who were lepers, which stood afar off. Notice what the Bible says. They lifted up their voices and said to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Don't miss what we're about to see in that scripture. Verse 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the preacher, to the priest. It came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They were made whole on the way to church. Don't miss what the Bible just said. Sometimes your answers don't come immediately. But if you just do what God tells you to do, it will come in its appointed time. What I love about it is they didn't have the answer yet, but they still got dressed, got in the car, and made an effort to go to church. Hello. 
Oh, I'm the only one preaching today. Don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves as in the manner of some, but come together with exhortation and exaltation together. They got together and said, you know what? Jesus said we probably should go to church. So as they were on their way to church, before they ever heard the preacher preach, they're on 52 just driving across the tail race, and something changed in the car crossing over the bridge. They didn't even get on the gravel parking lot of 1211 North Highway 52. They just passed by Walmart, and when the tires went across the proverbial tail race canal or the symbolic Jordan River of life, something changed in the atmosphere in the car on their way to church. He said, go show them, and they were cleansed, verse 15. And one of them, when he realized that, he went back to Jesus. And again, with a loud voice. See, he didn't give God one of those what I call silent praises. He didn't walk up to Jesus and go, hey, hey, Jesus. Hey, hey, thank you so much for what you did for me. I appreciate that, man. I thank that. No, see, that's how we praise God. We praise God. Well, I don't want to be too, too loud in church. I might disrupt somebody. Well, if you're ashamed of what you are, then get out and let us be what we are. But our sign says we're Church of God. We don't take the name off of it. It doesn't say Santee Circle Outreach Ministries or whatever. It says Church of God, which says everybody know that passes by. We are who we say we are. We're a Pentecostal, fire-breathing, fire-baptizing, Holy Ghost-filled church. We come to have church and meet with the Lord. If you want quiet and more nominal, I got a whole list of good friends that are in those churches. I will send you to one, and they're good people. But I like to be excited when I go to church. Because I've got a reason to be excited. Because He saved me. He sanctified me. He saved me from a devil's hell. He put my feet on the solid rock. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. With the baptism of the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. He's got my name written down in the Lamb's book of life. He is building a mansion for me across the portals of glory. I've got a right to be happy in church today. He goes back and he doesn't go, Jesus. He says with a loud voice, he praised and glorified God. And he fell down on his face. If you study that out, that was an act or a symbolic, same thing of the symbolic word of worship. When you fell down and you laid prostrate on your face before God, that was an act of worship. In the Jewish culture, they didn't feel that you were worthy enough to stand in the presence of Jesus. Hello. They felt like they were so bad of a sinner that they had to get down, not just on their knees. Now, we like to preach what I call neology, where you get on your knees. They didn't even think that was good enough because they still felt like they were elevating themselves higher than they deserved. The Bible says that when they would come, Moses and others, when they'd go into the presence of the Lord, they would lay with their face down to the ground as low as they possibly could get. Because what they were saying is, God, I'm humbling myself in your presence because I'm not worthy of you. But, Lord, I thank you. You chose me. He fell down on a dirt-filled road on his face at the feet of Jesus. And he gave him thanks. Now, remember, he didn't give him a patty cake praise. He gave him a loud, glorifying praise. And he was a Samaritan. Don't miss what Luke was saying. This wasn't the church folks that were doing it. 
Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees represented the church. That was the religious folk. The religious folk were at church going, well, what kind of man came in church today? Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know he's a leper? Doesn't he know he is unclean? Doesn't he know he is unworthy to be in our presence? That's what the church folk was saying. The sinner was saying, oh, I know where I was living, but when Jesus met me and he found me and he changed me, I know where I'm going now. So the sinner, the outcast, the half-breed, the one that wasn't religious and the righteous one of the day, he, he wasn't too religious. See, you know what I like? I always like people that first get saved because they don't have enough religiosity in them for them to know any different than to love Jesus. But I've learned that the longer people get saved, the more religious they come. And so they start having a religion rather than a relationship with Jesus. People that first get saved, man, they're just loving Jesus. They don't know all your theology, neology, sociology, philosophy. They don't know all your ologies. They just know Jesus. See, I, that's what we need to remember. We need to get back to the place where we ain't worried about, we just know Jesus. We get back with Jesus. Look back at verse 13. And... They, talking about all of them, they lifted up their voices. And I read to you in verse number 15, and he cried with a loud voice. Today I want to preach to you on this subject. You better speak up. You better speak up. Father, to the best of my ability, under the unction and direction of your Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to hide me. I'm nothing. But this word needs to go forth today. It needs to go forth because, Lord, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have a right to praise you. I have a right to give you glory. I have a reason to be excited about being in the presence of the Lord today. Father, it is not about what I say, but it's all about what your Spirit says today. I don't need to communicate. I need God to communicate through me as a willing vessel. Take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these immortal lip, this mortal lip of clay. And Lord, I humble myself before you. I'm not worthy to stand behind this sacred lectern. But Lord, I want to lift you high so that you will draw all men unto yourself. I want you to be glorified in this place today. I want, thus saith the word of the Lord, to go forth today. Open ears, open hearts, open minds to hear your word today. In Jesus' matchless, wonderful name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. Say, if you don't speak up, tell your neighbor, come on, this is an exercise, this is homework. Tell your neighbor, if you don't speak up, you're not getting to go to lunch. <laughs> All right, now that we've got that out of the way, you can't say if you miss lunch, I didn't warn you. I warned you. There you go. I reminded of a scripture in the Bible that when Jesus was standing there and some of the religious of the day were talking to Jesus about why some people were having what we call crazy praise, Jesus gives them a little history lesson, he says, if they didn't praise me, the very foundations of earth known as the rocks would cry out and praise me. I'm going to be praised whether they do it or not, earth will praise me. 
when I was serving it as associate pastor at my previous assignment prior to coming to Monk's Corner, about three years into our stint there, uh, maybe two to three years into our stint there, we introduced a new praise chorus song to the church. Now, it had been around a long time, but it had been new to our church there. And the song was real simple. It was really catchy. It, it was very repetitive. It was one of those songs that most people like to take on the back of their bulletin and chart it, you know, because y'all sang it 25 times. And you know how people are. You know how people is. When you sing a song over and over again, you start charting it. Well, they've sang Amazing Grace the first verse 37 times. Is there no more verses to that song? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all been in some of those songs. Y'all been in some of those songs where it's like, do they not know any more words than that one? They got to have more words than that in the song. But it was a good song. It was a catchy song. Here's what the song said. Give him the glory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Man, y'all good. I didn't even have to teach you the song yet. Y'all already know the song. The the rest of the next line said, He woke me up this morning and he started me on my way. So give him glory. Man, we could sing that. Y'all already know it. Look at y'all. Y'all are professionals. Look at y'all. Then the the tagline of the song is my favorite part of the whole song. It said, You got a right to praise him. Then the author of the song kind of, I don't know if he had like a David moment where he was self-reflecting. So he first was like, you know, telling you, You got a right to praise him. Then he kind of thought to himself, he's like, well, that's kind of mean for me to tell them to do it, not really do it. So he said, you've got a right to praise him, so you ought to praise his name. you got a right to praise him. You ought to praise his name. Then you woke me up this morning, started me on my way. And as I began to put this message together, I began to think about that. You know, we all have a right to praise the Lord today. I mean, we do. Let's be honest. Everybody woke up this morning. Check. Everybody had clothes to wear this morning. Check. Everybody had the cognitive function and ability to get in some kind of mode of transportation and navigate your way to the physical property that we are on so you had cognitive reasoning and functionality to get here this morning. Check. You're still currently breathing, praise God. Check. I'm not ready to do funerals today. Thank God you're still with me. Check. Now, some of y'all sometimes look like you're about to die. Because I'm just saying, you're all just about half with me, half out. Just, oh, you know, I'm like, hope they're not having a seizure this morning. I hope that's just sleep apnea. I hope that's what that is. If God should tarry, you'll have the cognitive functionality to go back to your car, go eat lunch, and go home, and do it all again another week. So we've got a right... To praise Him. Right? Y'all don't want to eat today at lunch. Y'all not hungry. It'll be a long day. I begin to think about some things. And, you know, when the pastor's on quarantining and he's sitting by himself and his mind goes into 1,200 different locations, all kinds of things can happen. Projects can happen. I, I come up with the most outlandish of thoughts and ideas. But I had some questions that I wanted to ask. You don't have to answer this because, you know, well, I don't want you to be too honest because I don't want nobody to judge you this morning. 
So I want you to self-reflect the answer to what I'm about to say. Have you ever had the experience in which something going on was not right? Have you ever experienced something happening that you disagreed with, but you decided not to say anything and you left it alone and just walked away? Only later to be bothered by the thought, I wonder if I should have said something. You see, I've had many people to tell me in their lives, Oh, Pastor, I should have said something about the situation. I should have spoke up. I should have stood for the truth. Or maybe, maybe you've been in a situation where you've been attacked by others. Maybe people that you thought would stand up on your defense. Now this is the one that really, you know, people struggle with. Have you ever had a situation where you were being attacked by others and people that you thought would stand up and speak and say something on your behalf stood right there and said nothing and just silently watched you get crucified? Hello, preacher. That's the problem in most church hurts today. Somebody got out and art with somebody else and then all of a sudden they, they got into it instead of having the people they thought were their friends to support them, they stood there and just watched them die on a holy hill of self-crucifixion. Have you ever tried to look that person in the eye after that though? It's like they're looking everywhere but you because they're embarrassed because they know they should have said something. Hello. Have you ever, now this is for all you younger folks, because I know you older folks aren't going to remember this, because your memory's getting slower, and you forget things. And the reason I know that is because I'm forgetting things, so I know you've got to be forgetting things, because I'm not that old yet, so I know y'all forget stuff. I know you do. That's why you have sticky notes on the refrigerator telling you when your doctor's appointments are, so you don't forget it. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. That's good preaching. Don't worry, the preacher just put a note for me about my doctor's appointment on the refrigerator, so you're not alone. And it's on my phone with an alarm to tell me two days in advance. It's coming up. Have you ever had kids who always had to get the last word in? I don't want to hear one more word. And it was like, it's like they had a stuttering problem because they wanted to say the last word. Come on, that's good preaching. Have you ever had an employee or an employer that tested your nerves to the point you almost couldn't stand it any longer? Have you ever reached a point in life where you had just had enough? Woo, that's good preaching. I heard amen. Somebody's with today. Praise God somebody's with the preacher. Thank you. I'm not on up here. I'm just waiting for tomatoes to be thrown. So I looked up somebody more educated than I because I want you to understand something. The preacher knows already. Now you listen to this preacher carefully because I don't want you to miss, miss what I'm saying. I know that there are people out there that are more wiser than I am. So I look up to people and try to find out information from people who are much smarter than me. So I looked up the great church theologian. The greatest church theologian that has ever penned Something. I looked him up to get information. His name is Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. 
Charlie Brown is a wise man. He is wise. Because this is what Charlie Brown said. He was discussing one day some problems in life with one of his friends walking down the road. After much discussion, old Charlie declared his problem-solving philosophy. He said, There's no problem that is too big that I can't run from it. In actuality, that's exactly how people live their lives. Well, you know what? I'll just sweep it under the rug. I'll just hide it. I just won't say anything about it. Maybe no one will find out. I can outrun the problem. You ever met people that don't face the problems? They run from their problems? Hello? Come on. Some of y'all got family. I know y'all had problems before. Come on. All of us ain't holy in here. Some of us have had bad days. It's okay. See, the reality of it is running from problems and situations does not resolve them. It just further complicates them. Acting like a problem doesn't exist does not solve it. Ignoring the facts will not change the outcome. Today's text that I read to you about these lepers, you got to understand something. In this case, they are facing adverse, unexpected, unintentional circumstances. They didn't ask to be lepers. They just were lepers. Since the historical case of Roe v. Wade regarding abortion rights and abortionist rights, to date, there is an estimated... 62 million babies that have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. Not 62. 62 million babies. Now you got men and women trying to have babies as husband and wives and as couples. You got ladies who can't get pregnant due to infertility. You got people that have lost children. You've got people that have tried to have children. And yet you got 62 million somebodies out there that could have them. And decided they weren't worth life. Think about what I just said. People begging God for a child. And other people who can have it says, God, I don't want your gift. And kills it. You see, before I get any further in this message, I just want to go ahead and give you the title one more time. It is time. We better speak up. Enough's enough. Quarantining, I get that. COVID, I get, listen. Now, you don't miss what that preacher's about to say. Go ahead, you know, don't go out here and say, oh, the preacher has no sense of urgency. The preacher don't care about our safety. That's not what I'm, I temperature check you. I tell you, if you want to wear your mask, you can. If you don't want to wear your mask, you don't have to. I, I do all the protocols. We sanitize the building. We put hand sanitizer. We do everything we can to keep you safe. But there comes a point in life I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust the Lord. I, I, I just, I'm going to say it. I'm going to be censored, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't believe nothing Dr. Fauci says. You can just go ahead and take for what you want. I don't believe nothing that man says. Since this thing has started, wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear two masks. Double mask it. Don't wear a mask. Stay in groups of five. Stay in groups of ten. Stay in groups of fifteen. Stay in less than ten. In fact, the CDC just came out and said that if ten people got together and all of them were vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But anybody 11 and over, meaning if you got one more person, it doesn't matter if the whole group's vaccinated, anybody 11 and more, you can't be together without your mask on. What happened? I don't understand. Ten people together can all have the shot, and we can walk around here like nothing. But if one more person shows up with the shot taken, we better all put our mask on because they're contaminated. What? It doesn't make sense. The reality of it is I can't trust 
the news outlets anymore. I can't trust what's coming out of Washington. I can't trust what Dr. Who whatever says at the time. But I can tell you throughout time, there is one place I've always been able to go to and it never lied to me. It never told me the wrong thing. And this word said, God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God told me in Psalms 91 that he would deliver me from the perilous pestilence. That means deadly pandemics or diseases. God's word said he's already got it under control. So we better speak up. So today I want to talk to you just for a moment about some of these things to speak up on. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the situation. We all in life face certain situations. Jobs, families, marriages, children, church. Life, if you live it long enough, is going to give you some situations. Good ones and bad ones. In fact, if you live long enough, you're going to have days where it just ain't a good day. Your health is in disarray. Your children have went cuckoo in the cuckoo's nest, lost their mind, you've beat them, you've threatened them, you've taken the car keys, you've taken the cell phones, you beat them to the point you almost thought DSS was going to get involved, and they still looked at you and like, now what? And they're like, ooh, ooh, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, like, you just don't know me. I brought you in this world, and Lord, I'll take you up. Come on at me. Let me have a moment with you. You know some of y'all been there before. Come on. Some of you looked at your spouse that way this morning. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just, I just saying it happens. It happens. We all have situations. We all have them. They all happen. In this story this morning, there are ten guys who didn't ask for their situation. They just inherited a situation. Nobody signs up wanting leprosy, y'all. Nobody says, well, you know, if y'all got an extra dose of leprosy, I'll take one. I'll take one for the team. No. Because according to Jewish tradition, you lost everything when you had leprosy. Nobody wanted leprosy. It was taboo. It was bad. In reality, these guys are sitting there in their self-isolated state. You've got to understand what leprosy had done to these men. They had lost their families. Because according to the Levitical law, whoever got leprosy had to be ostracized from the community, had to leave their family, had to leave the community. And even if the wife, the children, the grandmother, the great-grandchildren, if all of them were clean, they still couldn't stay in the house. They had to go to the taboo camp or to the leprous camp. They couldn't stay at home with them. So they've lost families. Now listen to me. Has anybody saw where that's kind of happened in the world today? Anybody heard of someone going into a hospital? Families can't get in. Preachers can't get in. You're pretty much locked down, isolated in your own little self-quarantining state. You're all alone. All hope seems lost. Their families, some people have even died in the hospital and families never got to go in and say their last goodbyes. That's a bad situation, y'all. They've lost their families. These men have lost their jobs. They couldn't work. They became beggars because you can't go to work because everybody else at work doesn't have leprosy, so you can't work. Anybody over the last year and a half heard of people losing jobs? Losing income? They've lost jobs, businesses. They've lost their wealth, their financial means. Anybody met over the last year and a half people who's hit rock bottom or hard times financially? Due to the situation. 
These men have lost their health. Anybody over the last year and a half know what COVID does? It attacks your health. Pneumonia, double pneumonia. Brother Curtis is here this morning, and I thank the Lord to see him today. He actually had it, and they had to deal with it, and some of the effects of pneumonia, and I thank God he overcome, but it attacked his health. He said, man, this thing, it's like it beat me up. I had a man, I talked to you yesterday, a good friend of mine, played football, South Carolina State University, went up against some of the biggest defensive linemen, he was an offensive guard, went up against some of the biggest defensive linemen of his day, he got COVID, he just came home yesterday, he said, Pastor, he said, I've had grown men hit me harder, and it didn't hit me as bad as COVID hit me. That's his word. But even in that situation, he's at home. So that means God is still a sustainer of life. It might look bad, but it ain't over until God says it's over. You see, they had lost their joy, their hope. We know what hope is. Hold on. Pandemic's end. Hold on. Problems, pain. Ends. Hold on. God's promises are eternal. We still have a hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but I wholly and completely and totally trust on Jesus' name. I don't care what doctor whoever says. I trust the great physician, Jesus, to help me get through it. Lost their hope, lost their joy, love, laughter. You see, leprosy has more recently been called Hansen's disease. They don't no longer call it leprosy anymore. That was a taboo word. So years ago, scientists reclassified it known as Hansen's disease. You see, it was literally a disease back then because they didn't know how to treat it. That literally parts of your body would literally start decaying from the bone, from the inside out. Your flesh would literally start decaying from the inside out. In the Jewish culture, the disease was so supposed to have been, according to the Jewish writers, if someone got leprosy, it was a sign of punishment for a particular sin that they had incurred with the Lord. Or it was some kind of mark of God's displeasure. They thought if you had leprosy, it was your own fault. God was punishing you for something you did. Anybody ever been in life where you've been dealt a situation, wasn't your own fault, but you inherited it, there was nothing you could do, and it wasn't your creation or your fault, but you just had to deal with it anyway? Hello? Sometimes life doesn't always give you what you want. I heard a phrase years ago, now many of you have heard this, it came across my mind this week when I was studying, and then it, and it made me think, you know, it's really sad that we have allowed our thought process to settle for complacency. See, I have learned a long time ago, we just try, we like to be comfortable. We don't like to be disfurnished. We don't like to be in any way, shape, or form out of our element. We don't like being uncomfortable. We like come, we sit in the same pew. You know how I know that? Because if Sundays you're not here, I'm able to tell Miss Carol and Miss Dale who to send cards to because I know where you sit. Because you sit in the same spot, y'all never move. Like, if y'all really wanted to change the pastor, I'll play Russian roulette and change seats. I wouldn't know if you're here or not. I might send you a card and tell you we missed you, and you could have been here because I didn't know you weren't in your seat. That's how you get to more correspondence from the preacher. You all be like, we missed you, Sunday. Like, pastor, I was like, why? You weren't in your seat. I know you by your seat. Y'all are predictable. I can tell you where you're at. Well, Brother Robert changes it. He's about the only one. He's normally where Andrew is, but today he's somebody's in his seat. So Brother Robert's sitting on the back row. But I probably would have sent him a card had I not seen him. 
Been like, I missed you, Sunday. We're predictable. You know it. Some of y'all eat the same thing for breakfast every day. Don't lie. Don't you lie. Y'all know y'all like to eat the same thing. You want the same cereal. You want the same piece of toast. You want the same jelly. You want peanut butter and honey. Whatever. You're predictable. That's what we are. You see, I heard someone say years ago, when life gives you lemons, make what? I thought about that. Why? You know, this is that quarantine brain of the preacher. Why? Why make lemonade? Well, you say, preacher, I shouldn't make something out of a bad situation, turn it into something sweet. No, but why settle for lemonade? Why? Why not cut it up and squeeze it on a piece of fish? Hello? Y'all ain't never squeezed lemon on fish? What's wrong with y'all people? Gilgit is right there. Go today and squeeze a lemon on a fish. Come on, people. It's life-changing. That citrus effect does something to you. Maybe not, because you see how it affects the preacher. You Maybe not shouldn't do it, but it's good. Why not use it? Why not put a little salt on it? Just eat that sucker. Come on, somebody. That is good eating. I love a little salt on a lemon. I can eat that all day long. Look, Miss Bueller. Whoa, come on. Somebody's with me today. Hallelujah. I got confirmation. Come on. Use it for fish. Use it to eat it. Why not cut it, stick it on the side of a glass of iced tea instead of lemonade? Why do we have to settle for just lemonade? See, the reality is that's just the easiest thing. Well, we'll just make lemonade out of it. Because we don't want to think outside the box. That's what we do. Well, that's what we got. That's what we're going to do. But why settle? Why? God didn't intend for us to just settle. So life gives me lemon. Don't just settle for lemonade. Think about all the plethora of options you could do with the lemon. Now, if you want to make lemonade, make it. You want to put it in tea? Put it in there. You want to squeeze it on fish or eat it naturally? But think of outside the box. You don't have to be locked up inside the box of thoughts. You see, this leprous disease, it made these men feel like they had no choice. They're locked down. They're quarantined. Hello. Anybody heard of that word before? Quarantining. That is where we isolate you and don't check on you ever again. That's what quarantining is. Quarantining is our way of not feeling bad. We never check up on you. That's what quarantine's all about. See, pastors could not get in trouble because when people are quarantined, it's like, well, pastor, you didn't come see me. I wasn't allowed. He gave us an escape card. It was like, you can't get mad at the preacher for not visiting. He couldn't. You know, I know how some people are. Preacher missed one day. He didn't come visit one week or whatever. It's like, that low-down preacher, he doesn't even come visiting. He, he's, he's so busy. I don't even know why I pay him a salary for it. I mean, he can't be that busy. He can't stop by the house. Well, in quarantining, I couldn't come. You couldn't get mad at me. My point in saying that is, they're quarantined. They ain't no, they're not getting visitors. Nobody goes into the leprous community and says, I just want to stop by and see how you're doing. They didn't have mail back then where you wrote them a card and sent it in the mail and didn't have to see them or Skype or Zoom. They didn't have digital things back then. The only way you had interaction was face-to-face back then. Now, you think about it. They couldn't walk into a leopardist community and be like, hey, guys, we missed you at church on Sunday. How you doing? See, I can text you or call you, Skype you, Zoom you. But back then, if I couldn't see you face-to-face, I couldn't communicate with you. Sometimes I wonder if that wouldn't be better if we could go back to that age because sometimes I think we've lost the ability to communicate one with another. But think about it. I can't walk into the leprous community and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. I can't put my arms around them and hug them when they're going through a difficult season. About a year to six, well, between the last, up till about three or four, about probably three or four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, something like that, 
for the longest time, I could walk into a nursing home and look at someone in the face and say, I'm praying for you, without it being on some kind of tablet or an iPad or a computer. I couldn't walk into a hospital and grab a loved one's hand and say, we're praying for you. In fact, if they did go in the hospital, I would have to either, some early on when this thing was going on, I would have to literally make their family have to choose whether they could see them or I saw them. Because one person would only be able to go in for a certain amount of time, and once that person left the room, they could not come back within a 24-hour period. You couldn't switch. So it wasn't like they could go up and I could come in behind them. It was it. So it was either their family could go see them or I could go see them, but somebody was going to lose out. See, sometimes life puts us in situations we can't control. These ten lepers, men, they're ostracized. The only people they know to hang out with is people just like them. Anybody ever heard this phrase, misery loves? Well, that's because that's the only people they got. When you're miserable, nobody else wants to hang out with you, so you find other miserable people. That's why it loves company. Bitter people like bitter people because they like to be bitter together. People who have a positive personality, they don't like hanging around bitter people because it brings them down, so then you don't have no friends. People like to hang out with people like them. So misery, so all these lepers know is other people who are in the same situation. So you know what that t- tells me? That means nobody in that community had the ability to help anybody else out. We're all in the same boat. I don't have the grandiose answer how to fix COVID and eradicate it completely. You know, people have the shot. People don't have the shot. I mean, that's, that's everybody's prerogative. My point in saying all that is, is when this thing hit, you know what? It leveled the playing field. I didn't know. You didn't know. We all were, we didn't, we all were on the same playing field. We're all in this little community of quarantining. Anybody... Y'all may not remember because y'all might have mentally blocked it out. But boy, I, I remember what February, March, April looked like in 2020 where I had to sit at home. I had to get on a computer. I'd have to basically digitally record service in the backyard. Or I'd have to come in here with just literally a handful of people and preach to an empty auditorium. And, and try to give the same passion and fervor and, 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 and excitement. And ain't nobody in the building. I prayed most people were online, but the way the iPad says, I had no idea if you were there or not. I could have just been preaching the blank air. I would have been, in most cases, three or four years ago, if I would have pulled a stunt like that, you ought to call the psych ward and had me sign up to go to the mental health hospital because I'm preaching to people nobody exists to. Now, all of a sudden, I'm a genius for doing that. Like, it's the craziest thing. Used to, I'd go to in psych wards for that. Now, I'm like, you're a brilliant man. It's weird, crazy. But, but the reality of it is, I was dealt a situation I couldn't control. These men are in a situation they can't control. I want to tell you where they're, the situation they're in. You see, in the Bible, it says that leprosy was highly contagious. That was their afraid. They were afraid if you got near people, you would it, the disease would rub off on you. Can I tell you, you better be careful who we as the church of the living God associate with, because if we're not careful, their sins will easily rub off on us. Their decisions... Their walks of life. I said to you last week, it's easier for somebody to pull me down than for me to pull them up. If you're not careful, the Bible says, lay aside every weight and snare that so easily entangles you and run the race that has been set Because the Bible knows God, the Bible knows along with God, because he's the author of the Bible, that the enemy will lay snares and traps to mess you up. If you hang around long enough, it'll take you out. Can I tell you, I can't fix COVID. I can't. Now you hear this preacher carefully when you think, oh, pastor's crazy. Some of you have taken the shots. That's fine. Some of you have not. 
that's fine. I don't know what the long-term effects are going to do or not do. I don't know. I, it ain't been out long enough. There's no, I mean, my God, there's no way to know. We don't know what it's going to do yet. There's no way. You can take the shot and still get it with a milder version, apparently. But, but I mean, it's not bulletproof. It just helps you get a milder version of it. You know what? One thing, though, nobody can escape? Death. I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if it's congestive heart failure. I don't care if it's a cardiac malfunction, which literally means you just had a heart attack and died. I don't care if it's a brain aneurysm. I don't care if you got cancer. I don't care if you just went to sleep one night and you just passively timed out. Nobody escapes death. It is appointed unto man, everyone, to die than the judgment. Only two men ever was alleviated from that, and that was Enoch and Elijah. And most people believe the only reason they were eliminated is because they will come back in the book of Revelation as the two witnesses that preach in the street and get stoned. So therefore, they would die too. We all die. It is what it is. But I don't have to be afraid of death. I don't have to be afraid of death. I don't have to be afraid to die. In fact, death should not, as a child of God, should not scare me. It should excite me that that just is the vehicle God uses to teleport me to his presence. They got this situation. Let me tell you what they're facing. They couldn't go to church with anybody else. Anybody remember a day when we couldn't go to church together? They were quarantined, isolated, left to create their own communities of poor outcasts and disenfranchised members of society. Has anybody ever felt like you've been quarantined, isolated, left to create your own little packs of people in your safe bubbles of communities and in some respects even now feel like that we are the disenfranchised members of society. You can't sing in church. You can't meet in large gatherings. We are now becoming not the leaders of change, but we're now being persecuted as the body of Christ and they're trying to silence it. Anybody ever felt like we were in those situations before? They were to call out, out loud, unclean, unclean, unclean to anybody that came near them. Could you imagine if God required you to call out your sin close to people when they came by, if you had to call out what was wrong with you? Liar! 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 Cheater! Cheater! Sexual impurity! Sexual promiscuity! A thief! Murderer! A blasphemer! A gossiper! An adulterer! A drug addict! Alcoholic! You want to call out what your past is every day? To people? Every day they had to yell that. You know what it was telling them? The enemy had them in such a situation... That every time they had to yell unclean, no matter how good, Brother Chris, their day had been together in a community, as soon as somebody outside of their little safety bubble of community came by, it, the enemy had created an environment that he constantly reminded them of their lot in life, the situation they were in. Every time somebody else walked by, they had to be reminded, I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. I'm not able to go to church with them. I'm not, I'm not worthy. They look down on me. They think there's sin in my life. Every time I yell unclean, I know the other person's, oh, they got sin in their life. Oh, they're taboo. Oh, they can't go to church with me. They can't go to first, such, a first church of God amongst corner. They can't go to Santee Circle because they're unclean. 
It reminded all of the people on this side of the tracks, oh, you can't come to our church, you're unclean. But it reminded these people, I, I have no answer, I'm hopeless, I have nothing. The day that the church quits ministering to the unclean is the day we've missed our mark. We've missed the goal. The goal never was for us to be over here. You're unclean. You can't come here. The goal was to be you're unclean. Hey, I know a place you can come. Come to our church. Come to meet our pastor. Come be with our... We we like to help people like that. That's the ministry of the church. Go to the poor. The Bible says, this is pure and undefiled religion. You go to the widows, the orphans, the disenfranchised. Go to those people. That's pure religion undefiled before God. That's the situation. This, as the band and Miss Carol makes their way. Jesus was passing through the region where hurts and disenfranchisement, disheartenment, loss of hope, income, loss of lives were prevalent. And next week we're going to pick up part two of this message based on the way the Lord directed today. I'm not going to go any further than the situation. But here's what I want you to understand today. this pastor is going to say this as politely as I can possibly say it and do it in a way that would hopefully you would understand my heart and hear my heart more than anything else personally speaking I've had enough sitting on the sidelines and just watching the world go to hell in a handbasket personally speaking I read to you in our scripture today that when Jesus came close by they didn't yell unclean because they knew they were in the presence of someone different. They yelled out, Master! Jesus! Have mercy on us! That's different. Because Jesus here's the bottom line Jesus doesn't ever have a sin that he cannot cleanse. There's not a sin that's ever been done in human history. Jesus can't forgive it. The only one the Bible said is blaspheming with the Holy Spirit. And most people, if they've been a sinner for so long, they probably don't even know what that means because they don't even know the Holy Spirit. So they still got a chance. It is time for the church, for the people of God, using an old proverbial line, and I'm using an old proverb. Somebody else wrote it. I didn't time for the church to put up or shut up we say we got the answers we say we know Jesus we say we want to reach the world we say we want to see lost sons and daughters come to the faith we say we want to see God move we say it but actions speak louder than words you can say anything you want to but until we put feet to our words they're just mere words these men said, Jesus, have mercy on us. They spoke with a loud, audible voice. So, Pastor, you trying to tell us to be charismatic and just run around here all the time? No, but I'm telling you, God's been too good for us to look like we're dead. Deadbeat, disenfranchised. We're not broke down, disenfranchised, disheartened. We might be going through a season of disenfranchisement. We might be going through a season of heartbreak. We might be going through a season of struggles. But God's brought us out plenty before, so he'll do it again. We've got a lot to give him praise for. We look miserable sometimes in the faith. Why? Why? I don't know. In Deuteronomy, as I close, in Deuteronomy, the Bible tells us that Moses tells the people of God, he says, if a woman goes out into 
the field. She's attacked by a man. He has inappropriate relationships with her and she yells and asks for help and no one comes. That if it eventually comes out of the closet and found out, only the man would get stoned. But if a woman was attacked in the city and she failed to cry out and was attacked, if she later came back and accused that man, the Bible said that both the woman and the man would be stoned. I thought about that. You know why? Because if she's in the city, there should be people around that would hear her crying out to help her. Now in the field, sometimes you're all by yourself. You're isolated. But when you're in the city, everybody should hear you. That's the problem with the church. There are plenty of people in churches. We're hearing people calling. We're doing nothing about it. They're upset. They're hurt. They're disenfranchised. And we're sitting over here like we got a perfect life. They're getting hurt. They're dying. But what if they come to our church? What if sitting on our pews were people that are hurting and needing a touch from Jesus? And we don't say nothing. We don't do nothing. We let them go out of this place the same way they came in. What good did we give them? What good did we do for them? It's time for us to speak up and say, We're ready, Lord. We're here. Use us. Help us. Let us be your hands and feet extended. So as we get ready to close, told the band not too long ago on Wednesday night that I had a song that was on my heart that I wanted to become the prayer of the church this is the prayer of the church that I told them I wanted us to sing today it's real simple it's a hymn of the church it's not a hard song but the reality is I think we've lost the meaning of the song because the words of this song, if we really mean what it says, our outlook would be different. It would be. The problem is we don't believe the words of the song. We don't. But here's the part. This is All week, this is what the Lord has quickened my spirit. Maybe not yours, but mine. But this is what He has quickened my spirit. You are Savior. You are my Savior. Before I give the altar call, we're singing Savior. Oh, you are Savior. Lord. Savior. Hear my humble cry. Oh, Lord, while on others, while on others, thou art eyes closed. Here's my question today. Do you have a need in this house? 
Now's the time to speak up. I'm not telling you to come up front and make a public service announcement to the church. But speak up to the portals of heaven and let God know it. Do you have something in your life, your heart, in your mind, something going on that you need to speak up and say, God, please don't pass me by. Lord, I'm in a bad situation. I'm dealing with something. But God, don't leave. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by today. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to do this as safe as possible. But if you have a need in this house, I just want you to come and stand right in front of me. Let me just pray with you. I just want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want the world to know that I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God can come right now to where you need Him to be. Come on. Some already making their way. Are there any others? Do not let the devil, do not let the devil rob you of your joy. Do not pass me by, Savior. Jesus, don't pass me by. Jesus, don't pass me by. Jesus, don't pass me by. Now, if you believe in the power of prayer, I want you to stretch your hands this way. We're going to keep everyone safe. As they get ready to keep singing this song, we're going to pray and believe God is a God who can do it. I believe God can do it. So let's pray together for these people today what God has for them in store. I want them to get it from the Lord.
I've done my best to convey your word today to the people of God. God, I know we didn't finish the message. We'll finish part two next week. God, no matter what the situation we are faced or dealt with, Lord, have mercy on us. Let us be men and women of faith and speak up and cry out, Jesus, I need you. Do not pass me by. Do not pass me by. Father, I pray that those that have had needs in this house today, God, your spirit would administer to them in this place today. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and blessed Redeemer. May you bless us and keep us, your face shine upon us, you be gracious to us, lift up your countenance on us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts till our time to be with you again. Keep us safe today in our commute and our travels home. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we pray the benedictory prayer, don't forget that we still are streaming online Wednesday night. We'll be back on Sunday morning next week. Sign your children out before you leave today. If you're interested in VBS, working, assisting, volunteering, please see Sister Jennifer and uh, let her get your name and information so she can be in contact with you about the plans coming up June 13th through the 16th. I love you. I'm praying for you. I am thankful for each and every one of you making the effort every week to come. There's nothing like preaching to people. It's a lot better to preach to people than empty pews, I can promise you. I love being with you. I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erickson to pray our benedictory prayer immediately following. Shake hands, elbow bump, air high five, wave at a distance, whatever you feel like doing, but be friendly with one another in safe ways. And we'll see you next week. God bless you, Brother Randy.